Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Pandemonium all over the state of Ohio as the city of Cincinnati completely changed its mind on how important the starting quarterback is. I've been I've been workshopping that one all day and I'm trying to like work it in the music because I, I hate crashing that intro and I knew I knew it would word it and I think I think we ju- we just scraped in anyway. Welcome back to the UK Rivers podcast. You wouldn't know this, um, but the first team is back in play. We've the practice squad have gone back down to the reserves and you are back with the first team. My name is Gazpol and I am once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet, Ian Domain and James. Ogden, Ian, reminiscent of um, Ravens Steelers at the end of the what was it the nineteen season where we we wheeled out RG three to play the Steelers in in week eighteen. All all the practice squad players came up and we still won and we still ran a successful podcast last week. Uh, s- successful would be a word for it, maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> am, am I RG three in that? Yeah, RG three. Yeah, well done. Okay. Well, take that maybe. Yeah, no, it was good fun. The, the the guys stepped up. They they did well. Um, I hate hosting this thing. I'm so glad you're, you're back. I've said that. As, I haven't done it in eighty odd episodes. Now I've done it twice in about three weeks. And yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. Well, this is it now. As you know, I've got I've got a kid in the way, and I'm 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 passing the key. I'm passing the keys on to you for the for the off season, the upcoming season. I might just have this kid and never come back. I mean, if Ian's RG three, if it ever happens that. That <laughs> I have to take over will be more the Jimmy Clausen of of uh, Ravens back. Oh no, I'm going to say I'm going to say you're the you're the Sam Cook in this situation. You're a, <laughs> you're you're you're, you're, a, you're a utility player. You're a key part of the team, but you don't want him as the starting quarterback. <laughs> I can take a safety, but that's it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And you wouldn't know the first team are in, but we are the first team back in, and we are already off the rails. Two and a half minutes in guys let's get on to this game i think ian you're gonna have a chat with ben in well when we get through this recap he was at the game on thursday so we're gonna go to that um interview after we've done the recap but before then let's go into this game a little further um a tight game to start us off ian until a pretty crucial thing um with joe burrow going down cincinnati fans have have really done a, a pivot over the last week on how important it is that your starting quarterback is playing in an important game, haven't they? Yeah, I I don't want to pile on poor Cincinnati too. Shane's Shane's doing a good enough job of that on <laughs> on our Twitter account. It was Deshaun Watson last week, and now he's just absolutely flaming the whole of Cincinnati <laughs> fan base. But um, yeah, they they they've changed their mind, haven't they? It was it was all fine when Tyler Huntley was starting playoff games. You know, you have to you have to deal with it. You get on your team's good enough to still win, and and now I see it's uh, you know. The Ravens were in this position last year. They they managed to scrape in their way into the playoffs, and I think we all wanted that, didn't we? And and they gave Cincinnati all they could handle in that playoff game. Looking at the the Bengals' Twitter at the minute, it's all let's lose as many games as we can and, and, and <laughs> get a decent draft pick. I mean, where's the fun in that? Yeah, we've seen a, we've seen a really ugly side to this um, Cincinnati fan base with, with yeah with everything going on. And you're right, what we said like. As Ravens fans going into that that playoff run last year, I think we we were all doing it on the hope that Lamar might come back. And as we're on the podcast, we're talking at the right level. If we get into the wild card round, maybe. And the whole media coverage was: Is Lamar coming back? And it turns out that well, we don't know how much the contracts had to do with it or not at this point. But um, never mind. Whereas um, we don't want to talk about all the fan bases. So so that's what it is, James. It was a close game. Obviously losing um, Joe Burrow. 
does matter? Does make a difference? What, what do you think? This? Well, how do you think that leaves the Bengals for the rest of the season? Well, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they made the playoffs now. Um, like the the loss to the Ravens was already would have already hurt, even if they hadn't lost Burrow um, in terms of their chances of the playoffs. So it'd be very very surprising if, in a very tough AFC North division, that they were able to to um, garner enough wins over the course of the, the rest of the season to, to get in. It was always unlikely that four AFC North teams would, would make the playoffs. And I think this is kind of the nail in that coffin. Uh, Jake Browning looked okay, actually, um, but he's, he's certainly not Joe Burrow and it's not going to be a, a, an easy run in, I don't think, for the, for the Bengals now. And I'm, I'm, as much as I, I, we can take the, the make out of them reverting to type, uh, sort of just going for the, the higher draft pick, uh, you know, just rolling back the rolling back it a few years. Um, I think that's probably sensible at this point. Uh, not necessarily tanking because I don't, I don't really believe in that. I think teams that tank uh, don't end up being competitive um, in later seasons, and I think it takes a while to get rid of the stench of that out of your organisation. But I, I would imagine that they would uh, be in just in a better position for a draft pick now. I'd be very surprised if they make the playoffs now. A bit of a weird underlying storyline that has that's been spoken of a bit, but not too much this season is this was almost the Bengals' last shot to go get it with this team that they've built. They've got a lot of players coming up for contract renewals. I think uh, is it T Higgins, Tyler Boyd are both um, free agents at the end of the year. So this sort of high-powered offense that everyone's um, they're, they're all they're, assuming Joe Burrow comes back healthy, they're, they're going to be a, a scary offense. But it was always. Chase, um, Boyd, Higgins. It was it was a, a lot of guys you did want to see, and you just couldn't cover all of them. And this was sort of quietly the last chance to have a go with that. So it'd be interesting to see how the Cincinnati front office deal with it. I think as Ravens fans, all we can sort of hope here for the rest of the season is the the rest of the AFC North all playing with backup quarterbacks. Let's call Kenny Pickett a backup quarterback at this point. Um, are just going to sort of weirdly sort of devour each other throughout the season like i think this, i think is it cincinnati browns this upcoming week so you sort of very quickly and who, who do you like there do, do cincinnati somehow weirdly pull out a win here and everything gets a bit ugly underneath us is it cincinnati browns this this weekend i think it's this week is it steelers i don't know it's, oh, it it's might one be of steelers it might be well, I, I i i fancy cincinnati to, if it's the steelers i fancy they 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 might pull off that win i i Thought their their backup did enough. He looked okay, um, and and I don't know what's going on in, in Pittsburgh at the minute. No no idea. The, the Browns are a, a scary one because their their defense is legit. That's a that's a proper defense, um, and all they need is is somebody that's not going to turn the ball over on offense. And I, and I think they'll they'll get away. The the problem the Ravens have is they've they've got a horrific schedule for the rest of the the rest of the season. Um, it's just. It's absolutely brutal. Cincinnati are out of it. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. I think, I think we know that. Um, but, but the Browns and the Steelers' schedule is nowhere near as scary as the Ravens is. Um, so, so the Ravens have really got to be on their metal till the end of the year. I could just say one thing on the um, Bengals' demise, Gaz. I think um, the thing I would say is that I think the offense can probably survive the, the loss of, of T. Higgins. I think Zach Taylor's a really a really great offensive-minded head coach, and and uh, you know Joe Burrow is special. So I think there's a way in which they can sort of survive some of the losses they're going to take on offense. Um, the the more interesting thing was the last couple of weeks they've started to work it out on defense, and I think the more time 
Like the, the defense was the one where you sort of looked this year and were sort of saying the secondary doesn't look good. It's not a, you know, Luana Rumo needs, needs experienced defenders on the back end to be able to work his scheme. Uh, and he was starting from scratch, basically losing all of those guys from that run. Um, so I think it, they, we sort of started to see a glimpse of them starting to work it out on defense. So I actually don't, I actually think if Burrow comes back healthy, uh, I think they can probably continue to put together a run. I think the window probably stays open for them. Um, as long as Anarumo sticks around and that, that defense starts to continues to work it out in the way it did. And they've got the whole season, rest of the season now to continue to try and work that out. So uh, uh, that's the thing to watch with them towards the end of the year to see if that defense can continue to sort of ascend uh, and make them a bit more balanced going into next year. Some um, pending anxiety I see coming up is, I should say, the Ravens' schedule is tough. I think, we, we obviously, we, as we record this podcast, we say at the top of the AFC North, it's a, uh, sorry, at the top of the AFC um, conference. It's one of those weird stats because we've got an extra game on pretty much everybody else. Um, the Ravens sort of really need that one seed. And the reason they need that one seed more than anything else is you've got to think that if the Ravens land in the two, we're going to end up with Cleveland coming to Baltimore in the wildcard round. And it's just going to be one of those divisional uh, divisional games against a a really tough defense. And that feels like you know, one of those weird outs for the Raven, uh, for a high-flying Ravens team if we end up with the Browns in that wildcard week, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's not ideal. I mean, I take it now. If, if you're saying right now we, we'll be the two seed, I'd, I'd snap your hand off. I'd take it. I'd prefer to play Pittsburgh, if I'm honest. If they, <laughs> if they can sneak in, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. Um, yeah, but it's tough, I, Ian. If we leave the 30-yard line open, like it's gonna be, <laughs> we're going to be in trouble, aren't we? I just think I, I I know we're all enjoying being that that number one seed for a week, and as you say, it's a it's a bit skewed because we haven't had our buy yet. I just I'm I'm not sure we're we're going to hold on to that. So um, let's just get in and and take it from there. Okay, well let's get actually back onto this game that we've been trying to get onto for um, ten and a half minutes now, um, <laughs> James. We talked about the Burrow injury, but we had some injury news of our own on the first drive with a pretty horrific-looking injury to Mark Andrews. Now, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 21st of November, which is like five days after the game. Um, at this point, Harbaugh's come out and said that it might not be that bad. He might play, so we might never see Mark Andrews again at this point. <laughs> I, do. I saw a tweet from um, Nikhil who writes for Russell Street Report. He was saying, why does he do this to himself? Like He's, <laughs> he's now opened himself up to the questions that are going to come for the next like eight to ten weeks. And he's going to get so annoyed with them down the stretch. He's just going to stop talking about injuries again. But uh, yeah, I think I saw a thing from a one of these amateur doctors, well, they might not be an amateur doctor, they're probably actually professional, but like amateur <laughs> sports commentator doctors uh, who uh, sort of mentioned that it might be a kind of eight to 12 week recovery, um, which would put you sort of square in the depths of the, the end of the playoffs. So maybe there's a chance he makes it back at the end of the end of the playoffs. I thought it was encouraging the way the offense responded without him and with the way the wide receiver core stepped up. Uh, that was really something to see. Uh, I, I don't want people to get carried away with uh, Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler, and, and Travis Vokalek replacing the, the production of Mark Andrews. There's a chance that Likely will replace some of the production, I think, but I'm not sure you can replace the 
the attention that Mark Andrews garners from from opposing defenses uh, that allows other other people to to be able to operate. Uh, although the one thing you might start to see is, I mean, it, it, if if Zay Flowers is available in your fantasy leagues, I'd go and get it because I get him because I think he's going to be. I mean, I'm sure he's not, but I think he's going to end up with a num like a significant amount of targets over the the rest of the season for the Ravens. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see if this this wide receiver group can continue to step up. Um, James, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you touched on the rather than just sort of the Mark Andrews targets, but more the attention that he's getting because I've sort of come out of this news for the last couple of days and sort of been trying to think back of the season and thinking, well, this isn't 2019, 2020 anymore. Like this year hasn't been huge for Mark Andrews, almost to the point where the commentators are, are making more of a, a, a point when Andrews catches a ball because, I mean, there used to be like the, the, the target count must be quite far down on on previous years um is is that and obviously that's a reflection of Lamar spreading the ball out more a, a wide receiver core that that's worth spreading the ball out more do you think this this version of the Ravens is a little bit more set up to survive that Matt if Mark Andrews are going down in 2019 obviously running game aside the, the passing game's done with really whereas this year sort of feels unless you're going to tell me that it's the attention he drags frees everybody else up and that's where the problem's going to lie um, it feels like we could survive it this season. He certainly does drag a lot of attention from some, and I think he's been a big reason why some of those receivers have been able to step up and, and the rest of the rest of the passing game looks better because they found ways to, yeah, to get them involved. And, and Andrews is still Lamar's go-to. So there's still a situation where you kind of focus on Andrews and just make sure he doesn't beat you. Um, a lot of defenses will start to do that. I think what I'd say is you can... The, the encouragement, I think, as well, you should take from this game is the way Todd Monken managed to adjust the game plan going forward. So you saw after Andrews went out, the Ravens went punt, 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 punt. It was three punts, and then they then they threw it, then they got um, went down the field and got a touchdown. So he he managed to adjust to the fact that that, that Andrews wasn't there. Uh, Lamar spread the ball around, and I think. I think he he found a formula that will that will work, but he'll he, he it will get worked out at points, and he'll have to continue to adjust. It just it, I think it just raises the level of difficulty for this offense. Basically, it just it, it makes it a lot harder down the stretch. You can't you don't have a guy there that just commands the kind of attention that Andrews does. Um, you know, you, you're not in a situation now with the Ravens receivers where you sort of pick your poison I don't, I, I don't think you take zay flowers out of the game i don't think he's dominant enough yet as a rookie i don't think you take odell out of the game and think that you're going to win the game i like I, I just think it's um it's a different it's a different he's gonna they're gonna have to find a different way to to move the ball and i think in this game you saw like a small microcosm of what it might be like the rest of the season where they struggled to move the ball at first when a, a defense was able to to sort of uh yeah just to, to work them out and then you'll see Munken, who is not Greg Roman, and is able will be able to adjust and and get this passing game going um, without Andrews at times. It, it's a brutal loss for the Ravens. Let's let's be honest. Like we talking about Mark Andrews, he's still second on the team in targets. He's second in the team on in yards. He's still Lamar's favorite favorite target. Where this is really going to hurt is is third downs and those those big play. I know 
people have got this this image of Mark Andrew in his, in his head that in the playoffs he, he gets the drops, but but that's where it's really going to hurt is is those big key moments because he's Lamar's guy. They came into the league together. They've got that understanding. You saw it when Likely was out there. There's a couple of plays where Lamar's running around and you know Mark's going to find him. Mark and Lamar are going to find each other. He's going to be in a space in the zone and, and you'll be fine. There was one where Lamar's running around, Likely gets himself a bit of space and for some reason Likely turns behind to see where the defender is, just takes his eyes off Lamar and that's the, that's the second where Lamar throws in the ball uh, and it ends up on the floor. I think, I think Lamar and Zay are getting that. I think they're, they're getting to that place where Mark Andrews and, and Lamar Jackson are. And that would have been so much fun if you'd have Zay and Mark out there, both able to do that. I think James is right that, that Zay Flowers is just going to absolutely explode now. Um, and even, I mean, he's been, he's been very good to this point, but he's winning an awful lot of routes that it, the ball's not even coming in his direction. And the same with Rashad Bateman. Like, go and watch Bateman. James always talks about not watching the ball. Go and talk about, uh, go and watch Rashad Bateman, he's winning an awful lot of routes. And, and James is right that Munkin's going to have to find other ways to, to spread this ball around and, and get the receivers involved. It was telling that on that first, the Ravens, I think, lost the toss in this one, didn't they? And, and the, the Bengals deferred, so the Ravens got the ball first. The Ravens marched down the field, scored a touchdown on that opening drive. But Mark Andrews was really heavily involved in that, that opening drive. Um, so it shows you the, the plan they had coming into the game. And then, as we say, I think it went punt, punt, punt after that. Whilst Munkin was, Christ, what do I do now? I've got to adjust to this. I've got to figure it out before he got Odell and Zay and a few others involved. Yeah, we. well, let's talk about Zay and OBJ and I guess all the wide receivers while we're here then, James. Um, Zay Flowers must feel must feel like he's being robbed of a, of a long touchdown on one of one of the worst calls we, we've we've seen for a while. I was just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, I just I can't I, I can't even. It was not even a um, just not even a. It just wasn't even close to a, a re- reasonable hold. It was miles away from the point of attack. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Apparently, I think this crew have got a bit of a reputation for for being a bit flag happy, and uh, they certainly showed it. It was. Uh, I I honestly thought they were poor for both teams. I don't think this was a situation where it was particularly. You know, we should feel particularly aggrieved as Raven fans. We probably should. Then the fact that it was a a massive touchdown got got taken off the board, but there was stuff that went the other way as well that was just very questionable, and it just seemed like a, a ridiculous game from from the referees. So I, I I was pretty disappointed in that, and I'm sure Zay Flowers will be because that's exactly what he's been threatening to do for weeks, really. And uh, and we also got robbed of a of a brilliant Keaton Mitchell block downfield, um, which was just which was very enjoyable as well. This this Ravens team has almost started to make screenplays work. This is a this is a really this is a really uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable spot for us all. Um, in in America, I can't say it as an, an Englishman. I don't think balls don't lie. It sounds weird with the English um, English accent, but ball don't lie. And the football gods uh, rectified the mistakes of the referees because th- about two or three plays later, um, Jermaine Pratt gets his hands on a ball. 
had it been the Browns game last week, it'd have fallen directly into a Bengals player's hands and been in our end zone. As it was, it sort of hit Aguilar in stride. Like, if you if sort of blinked as the route was developing, you'd have thought he'd have thrown it straight to him. Um, Aguilar in stride on a slam. I don't need to be seen out of Aguilar, who I, who I just... I don't know why I think Aguilar's old. He probably is like, what, he's like 29, 28? I'm even not that. even sure he's that old. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty in, in my In my head, he's a 37-year-old man. I don't need to see him doing front flips into the end zone. Like, <laughs> is, that a re- is that a really old man take from me? Yeah, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for at least trying not to throw him into the bus there. Um, yeah, I, I don't need that, but it, it all works itself out. Um so Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers, another good game from him. Aguilar, let, let's leave the front flips out because I, I just always think like, what happens if a player just like tore is it tore the ACL on landing? They'd just be like, they just get ridiculed for the rest of their life. Um, Ian OBJ, the player that the splash signing for the Ravens, the splash wide receiver, the fifteen million dollar man, um, almost starting to look it's not worth it. Let's not go that far, but like the player the Ravens thought Ravens, Ravens fans thought we were getting. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think we can, we can rightly be, we can rightly be pretty excited. Um, I think I, I tweeted out over the last three weeks, he's got 212 yards or so and, and a couple of touchdowns. This is earlier in the season than, than I was expecting. I, I was hoping that Odell would come on late in the year. He'd be that sort of, uh, that, that playoff darling and, and, and guide us through. I mean, it, it's a big if, I mean, he gets hurt in every game. He got hurt in this one. It's it's a big if he stays fit. Um, I think with Mark Andrews again, the departure there, you're going to see OBJ and you're going to see Zay Flowers. They're they're the two that are really going to benefit target wise from this. Um, and I think you're going to see even more of Odell inside now with without Mark Andrews. I think you'll see him play a lot more in the slot. Um, <laughs> Someone tried to. Someone on Twitter, I can't, I can't remember who it was, tried to make the point that Odell looks old and slow. Um, I mean, does he? I don't know. He, he's older, <laughs> but he was going up against a cornerback that runs a four-two, I think, and and he he looked just fine out there. I mean, um, he, he's starting to to get that that trust with Lamar now. He had seven targets in this game, which I think leads all all Ravens. Uh, and the and the first Raven to go over a hundred yards. So long may it continue. Um, Odell Beckham thirty one just turned the fifth of November. Turned thirty one. Aguilar's thirty. So there's a, there actually isn't too isn't too much between them. So um, old ass Aguilar. So he's only about six months behind Odell Beckham. Um, James, we mentioned Odell Beckham got injured. We mentioned mentioned the Mark Andrews injury. Lamar also went into the blue tent, which had us worried a bit. Am I right in thinking every one of those injuries was caused by Logan Wilson? Is the guy yeah. just is the guy just a menace? I put him down as a, a, the new Kiko Alonso, which I couldn't remember <laughs> Kiko Alonso's name. The only way I could find out Kiko Alonso's name, but was googling Miami decapitates Joe Flacco, <laughs> 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 and, it, and it, it came up as the top result. Um, just Logan Wilson playing too hard, dirty player, just look almost well one of the and um, one of them when he took out odell from behind was probably a bit unnecessary but i mean if a raven had done that to a bengal we'd have been pretty happy um the it's the two hip drop tackles isn't it that are the ones that are controversial um have to say never when i played never did a hip drop tackle never had a hip drop tackle done to me um so i don't really know i i, I don't feel very qualified to sort of 
talk about how bad that is. I mean, like I've seen some, I've seen some people I respect say this is nonsense. Like what else are defensive players supposed to do to be able to take guys down to the ground? And then I've seen some people I respect also sort of say this is, this is unnecessary. You didn't need to, you didn't need to do this in this situation. There are other ways of getting into the ground. There probably are other ways of getting into the ground. Um, I don't really know how I feel about it. It's clearly going to be outlawed, I would imagine, given the way the NFL goes. Um, so it's frustrating that the Ravens have lost a guy to it. It did look like it was a, it was a tactic, um, a sort of systematic thing that, that Wilson wanted to do throughout the game, um, which is disappointing because uh, you don't really want to see someone come in to, to hurt players. Um, but that is part of the game. And yeah, I, I I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> so, I mean, since since the since the game, a couple of Ravens players, Patrick Queen being one of them, sort of actually come out and said, "Well, as as I guess a defensive player not wanting to see the hit drop tackle get pulled out of football, has said it's it's part of the game, it's part of the sport." Uh, I'd seen something about the Lamar um, Jackson tackle, which was sort of as he was going out of bounds, was as you say with the Odell Beckham one James it was just almost unnecessary it was low the mile was going out of bounds there's playing football and there is as you say just almost going out with intent um, to, to to take someone out of a game which let's say let's not sort of dwell dwell on, on that too much um, Ian Lamar looks okay Mark we might get back um, OBJ we assume he'll, he'll, he'll get rested for most of the week and, and come out and have a big game in LA yeah, I, I think you, you've got it that spot on there. Lamar came out afterwards and everyone was, was very keen to ask him about the injury. And he sort of said, look, I've walked up here. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good to go. Um, the, the good thing for the Ravens is I think they play one game in the next 24 days. They've got, they've got the Chargers, haven't they? And, and then they've got the bye week because they played on Thursday night and then they don't play again until Sunday night. They, they get that little bit of extra rest before they even, they even get to the bye week. So there is, there is a little bit more time. Um, and and they should should get another couple of couple of guys back. Hopefully, we're going to see who who starts practicing. But you'd, you'd imagine Marlon must be must be close to returning as well. Yeah, was it? Is it um, two? What well, we had two late nights on the bounce, and then um, the bye week, and then we play the uh, the Rams at six o'clock, and then we go into the Sunday night game against the Jags. So um, yeah, a little bit of space between those. Um, we'll also we'll get into the Rams after the bye week, but let's get into the bye week first. James on the run game. Then I guess we should touch on this before we get off the offense and move on to the other side of the ball. Um, a few more touches for Keaton Mitchell, as I'd sort of warned fantasy owners in previous weeks. Um, every time we get down to the goal line, though, your, your little fantasy darling's getting pulled out, and and Gus the bus is going in there to to to, t- to take the score over the line, isn't it? I think the other thing about Keaton Mitchell is that he, I think what we saw this week was the thing I've kind of been warning about a little bit. I, I have said that he has, you know, taken some developmental steps and I do think he's, he sort of improved his between the tackles sort of running his vision um, the way he presses his keys. It's been improved, uh, but he's still the guy he was coming out of coming out of college to an extent. Uh, and the Ravens were getting him touches that really worked. They were lim- it was limited touches, but it was touches on runs where he had a real chance of getting into the second level. And he's quite special in the second level, not just from a speed perspective, but from the way he sort of judges his athleticism and is able to to beat guys. 
so I, I, and that's that's a really unusual thing to have so early in your career in the NFL because usually you just get kind of found out. But he's so fast that that's probably part of it too. So it was interesting though in this game that the Ravens offensive line didn't have as good a game, weren't able to get him into the second level and get him into open space as much. And so he was less effective. And I think that's the thing that, that we need to be a little bit careful for where you see Ravens fans calling for more Keaton Mitchell touches is I still would like to see Keaton Mitchell get the kind of touches that he has been getting in the games that allow him to, to do his best, to play in the best role for him. Um, I don't think that this guy should be a 15 to 20 carrier game guy right now. Uh, he should be getting touches where there's a chance for him to be able to break it into the second level, uh, where he's a home run hitter and he's a, he's a really dangerous open field runner. And so definitely want to get him involved in the way that best suits his game. Um, and as you mentioned, that will not be in the red zone. That will be where we lift out, uh, Keith Mitchell and, put, and bring in Gus Edwards. So I think it was interesting. It was good to s- sort of, Good for, I think, Ravens fans to see him come down to earth just a little bit um, this week. Not a lot. Like, he still ran well. Um, but we saw a few uh, instances where you can't just kind of run him in and have him operate the offense normally. Um, he's also going to have to improve in pass protection as well. Um, but uh, overall, pretty pretty good from him. And, and the running game still looks, still looks um, really good, even when the offensive line had a slightly off game um, this week. So, Ian, let's move on to the other side of the ball then. Just overall, what what your overall thoughts on the defence? It's going to be a really hard um, game to analyse not having Burrow in there, but um, how, how do you think they, they did with um, with Browning coming in against a, a sort of... Sometimes when the backup quarterback comes in, weird things can happen because you spend all the week game planning for Burrow and then Browning is sort of going to play a lot different. He's going to have his... Is, is, is more preferred targets, which actually tend to be the guys a little bit further down the depth chart who they spent a bit more time in like practice squads with as they're on working with the twos and the threes. Um, how do you think the defense adjusted? There's a few good performances, a couple of bad ones in there that we probably need to touch on. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, we, we've talked about Mike McDonald going up against Joe Burrow and, and how successful he's been. And he, he's got this very rigid scheme against Burrow that he's going to play. He's not going to let Burrow beat him over the top. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna make Burrow be very very good at everything he does and and work his way down the field and and I thought Burrow actually was playing really well while he was whilst he was in the game. Um, I had a I had a real moan on Twitter about the Bengals came into this game and they can't run the ball. I I, I am a Joe Mixon fantasy owner. He's absolutely useless for me. He scores no points because the Bengals can't run the ball. And and the the Bengals started sort of three four five yards no problem at all running on the Ravens. And I had this moan on Twitter, sort of, it was late and, and I was in my feelings a little bit. But this is how Mike McDonald plays against Joe Burrow. And I should have expected this. The in- inactives came out and, and Broderick Washington was a healthy scratch. They, they took off one of their big D linemen and, and, and they went smaller and they went quicker. And Mike McDonald is happy for, for Joe Mixon to run four yards, but he's not going to let, Joe Burrow beat him um, and as I say I got a little bit of my feelings about how much they were running but it but it's working that's that's how how they win the game and I thought when whilst Burrow was in he played extremely well but this defense is just ferocious and and they they hit you and they hit everybody um, as you say it's hard to judge 
went after Burrow went out, like you, you you don't prepare to play a backup quarterback. There there has to be some sort of relaxation. There just has to be. Um, and I mean, the game was over. But as soon as as soon as Burrow went out, this this game was over. Even even me watching at night doing doing the Twitter. As soon as Burrow got hurt, that was it. There was no no danger that the Ravens were ever going to lose this game. Um, so in in the stadium, being on that defense, you you must feel that as well. I, they were fine. I I thought, as you say, some some good and some bad. I thought it was really interesting, Ian, because I, I think you're right. They that is exactly the way Mike McDonald plays them. But for the first time in a while, Burrow was able not just Burrow. The Bengals were able to move the ball. They sort of were very patient and they haven't been patient against that McDonald defense for, for a good number of games now that they've played him. Uh, so they've what, played him four times now. Uh, and well, this was the, f- this was the fifth and it, it, it has been a, it has been a struggle because they've not been willing to be that patient. Um, and so it was, it was an interesting blueprint because I think it'll be this, a similar type blueprint to try and beat Mahomes if they come up against the Chiefs. And so it was interesting to see them be really patient and able to do that against the Ravens. I thought it was a really clear demonstration of how McDonald plays the Bengals with the with the in-game quarterback change because you saw when Browning came in, the run game became nothing because the Ravens just flipped the, flipped the script and were quite happy to go after the run game. And Mixon didn't get much at all apart from that final drive, which was always... It was a was the Ravens playing a bit vanilla at that point, so I think it was it was interesting to see the kind of chess match play out. And I thought Zach Taylor probably got slightly the better of it through the first half, and it it sort of was a bit of a shame to to lose Borough from that game to to not see how that get how that duel would end up by the end of the game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that get, comes out down the stretch. I mean, there'll be there'll be a few opportunities now for McDonald's after go up against better offences down the stretch and we'll see how that plays out. We sort of um not well not the worst thing to see uh, McDonald have a couple of bad couple of bad games really if he could like stop doing this like really good scheming and just maybe sort of get himself out of the conversation for head coaching um jobs next year that'd be that'd be sort of good if we could have a, a bit of a tough December Mike and just you know like just let's just sit simmer those conversations down just a little bit um another as you say fantastic out for the defense another five sacks added to the total which I think brings up to 44 for the year now I mean, that must be pretty much near enough what we had all last season, if not already more. Um, it, it could have been a higher number. Um, um, Adafi Oa just, again, another, he, he's, he's just one-on-one. All he's going to do is, is grab the guy and take him to the floor and that, his finishing just needs to get a little bit better. Um, we'll get on to Patrick Queen in a moment, Ian. I'll come back to you to talk about Patrick Queen and how you thought he did in the game. Before we do that, before we even got into the game, uh, James, Broderick Washington, one of the one of the big guys up front, healthy scratch. What's what's going on what's going on, on that defensive line and with, with Broderick Washington? Yeah, I, th- I think it was basically what he what Ian sort of touched on, which is that you know he wanted different horses to, to go up against Boro than than Broderick Washington. Uh, he would have taken a roster spot that would that, that could be better used against um, more athletic defender. So I think that's all that was. I don't think Washington has played particularly badly through this season. Uh, he's not a disruptive threat um, against the pass, he ne- but he never has been. He's a good run defender and he's a solid defensive lineman. I, I, I don't think uh, they're not paying him as an elite defensive lineman. They're paying him as, to be a, a solid 
uh, defensive line guy to, to fill out the numbers. And I, I, I think it was just a case of game plan for me. And I wouldn't, I'm not reading too much into it. I've watched a little bit of Broderick Washington this year. I don't think he's playing particularly badly. So I'm not particularly worried about it. I've seen a couple of whispers about Sue. Who's, so what's he doing now? Is he in the Sky Sports booth, I think. Is he in the Sky, in Sky Sports studios? Um, Jason Pierre-Paul wanted to come back and sign with a contender. Did he end up at the Bucks or the Falcons or someone absolutely random? They're not going to sign. Any James, any belief that the Ravens are going to pull anyone off the street or is, is this team set? I don't think there's a need to right now. I think the, the defensive line is pretty set. I wouldn't be pulling anyone unless there's... There's some injuries. Uh, I wouldn't be pulling anyone off the off the street right now. Uh, it's a great stable of pass rushers right now. That Adafi Owe is is starting to take over games in terms of the pressure he's creating. It's not c- translating yet into uh, you know many many sacks, but it, I think it probably will do um, as this goes on. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a bit of a terror right now. But the Obviously, Madabike is is phenomenal right at the moment. There's there's a lot of the the pressure has been manufactured over recent weeks through the stunts and games they've been playing up front. Um, my gut, and I, I'd have to go back and watch it, but my gut was with this game uh, and the game before there was less in terms of stunts and and simulated pressures, and it was more guys just beating their guys, especially with their way. Um, and so that's that's really encouraging sign. Um, this is a terror of the defensive line to go up against um because they can get home in a number of different ways and i wouldn't be messing with the chemistry of that group right now people like to like to rag on poor adafe oa at the minute um i'm, I'm just going to stand up for him here for a second i think in the last five games he's, he's played he's got four sacks he should have had two in in this game they they credit carl van noy with a sack when they they could have given it to oa who was actually double teamed on that? Van Noy is one on one with his his blocker. Uh, uh, Oa is going up against two. They they both meet at the quarterback, and and they gave the sack to to Van Noy on that. So Oa could have had two in this game, and he gave Orlando Brown fits all night in this game. Like he he was an absolute stud. If if anyone's still you know, hitting on Adave Oa, you need to not watch the ball. Go watch the go watch the game back and watch him take on, as you say, in Orlando Brown through this game. Like this is what he's been doing the last few weeks. He is getting up to to full health, uh, and he is starting to put it together. And I, I you know, it, I've said this before: sacks aren't something that is very uh, repeatable. It's something that does that sort of goes up and down through seasons. It's not something that you and through games. It's not something that you can rely on as some, as a, a good indicator of, of how well a defensive lineman is playing. Um, and uh, Adafi Owe is playing very well and creating a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And and I would encourage people to just go like go and watch it away if you're if you're still you, if you're still sort of bemoaning his lack of production and, and thinking about that. Please just go and watch it just him and watch him have a day against Orlando Brown, um, you're, you should change your opinion pretty quickly. Okay, let's finish off with a little bit of Patrick Queen talk then. Anyone just sort of... Oh, we talk about Patrick Queen a lot on this podcast. Uh, last year it was because, why? what on earth is Patrick Queen doing? He was very much like... Um, I think at one point Shane said he didn't have any hands, which is why he was always in the right place but could never do anything. Um 
this year he's been the best thing since White Sliced. We should definitely keep him and send um, Gino Stone um, Gino Stone off. Um, Ian, how do you think he did in this game? The Bengals sort of run game did get going a little bit towards the back end. Patrick Queen maybe got a little lost. You're giggling at me like you don't believe you're not with me on this, are you? Because you're, you're coming to the wrong person here. Like I thought he was fine. Like he was he was okay. Um, I mean, this is not the the worst we've ever seen Patrick Queen play, and it wasn't the best. You're not. <laughs> He he was fine. He was absolutely fine in this game. He he got targeted twice. I think it always looks bad when you're you're around the ball. I I, he, I don't think he made any horrendous plays. He didn't make any splashes either. He was he was fine. Meh. Ian's review of Patrick Queen fine. I've had worse. It's not I mean like if if you run in a restaurant and someone leaves you a, a review, it says fine. I've had worse. It's not something you're really looking to sign up for for another. Um, three to four years is it so let, let's just keep an eye on that one um we've, we've talked about the refs of the obj um holding um i watched this game on the let's go the game in 40 quick recap um job on friday morning um the, the there's something to do with the drone that didn't come through on the on the on the tape i watched can what what on earth what on earth went on Ian, i guess you'll watch james did you watch it live by the way were you up on i did the, the both both through, both through the night uh watched it live how did the drone break cause you any problems uh, only that it elongated the night <laughs> unnecessarily but yeah it was uh it was what happened odd, odd thing just someone flying the drone around for no reason. We didn't actually see the drone on the coverage, so we don't really know. It was just there was supposedly a drone in the stadium, and I, I presume they were trying to find the drone, but it was dark and they couldn't. The cameras couldn't find it, so I, yeah, it wasn't. Really, it was just it was just everyone standing around for a while. So this is Brandon Staley sending out a drone to watch the Ravens to get a little bit of a head start on the uh, on a on a Thursday night game when it's the when it's the the only game on. It's not like he's getting the footage any anytime soon or what, what, one odd thing. Ian, any any hot takes on drone? Does game? the drone does the drone help Brandon Staley's decision making? Because that's that's probably what he needs it for. <laughs> No, no, no hot takes. Like, like James says, all it did was was elongate the game. I think there was two actually, wasn't there? There was two sort of drone stoppages. Um, oh, and, Bel- and Belichick's drone there as well. <laughs> the se- the second time it happened, all that was going through my head was the lights going out in the Super Bowl, and then the Forty ers coming back. And I just thought, oh, this is it. This is you know, the, the Bengals are going to get their act together here. They're going to come storming back at us. But nah, wasn't much chance of that, was there? Well, we've got a UK Ravens reporter who was on location. Ian, you got the chance to sit down and interview our pal Ben last night. So let's jump into that interview with Ben, who tells a little bit about what the atmosphere was like in the stadium. Do you talk about the drone? Do you talk about the drone in the interview? I've not listened. We, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I've oh, what, what missed? What missed? Off, what missed opportunity? What missed yeah. opportunity? Well, let's talk, let's go to um, in the interview with Ben, where we don't talk about the drone at all, and then we'll <laughs> come back and we will pick our Raven of the week. Hi, all. Ian here. Um, I've absolutely no idea where Gaz is going to fit this into the podcast, but we we couldn't go without recording this little bit. Uh, ben, one of our own, was on the ground in M&T Bank Stadium Thursday night football 
we need to hear all about it. So I'm I'm glad to say I'm I'm joined by Ben right now. Ben Ben, how are you going? I'm um, good, thanks, Ian. It's been a uh, it's the end of a marathon trip for us. We're in Kansas City at the moment. This is where I speak to you from my uh, antiquated hotel room in the middle of Old Town, Kansas City. Um, so that's it's raining outside and it looks cold. But um, yeah, apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> Excellent. It's, it's, it's good to see you. Um, so before we get to Baltimore on Thursday night, you, you mentioned there you're in Kansas. Just tell everybody what you've been doing for the past week or so. I, the last time I saw you was actually on the Irish NFL show. You popped up with, with Jeff and I managed to yeah. catch a bit of that. And so I, I know all about what you've been up to, but just tell, tell the listeners what you've been doing for the past week or so. I'm impressed that you were watching that, Ian. So thanks for for joining. But um, and that was a bit of an impromptu thing. But yeah, we, we've, as some may know, I also have uh, the, uh, the 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 day job, which is touchdown trips, and um, we've we're just at the end of our big annual tour that we do of trying to cram in as much in a ridiculously short time as possible. So we flew out. Uh, this is gonna. Uh, uh, this is going to um, not sound great to a lot of Ravens fans, but we flew to Pittsburgh uh, a week last Friday. Um, luckily, the flight wasn't cancelled by BA because they seem to be cancelling lots lately. But we flew to Pittsburgh, went on Saturday to Penn State, Michigan. Um, tail- all of these games had tailgates before, so we had a tailgate before every single game. Uh, so Penn State, Michigan, 6 a.m. start, got there, tailgated, watched the game. Next day, went to uh, the field formerly known as Heinz Acreshaw to see the Steelers Packers. Again, beautiful weather, I have to say. Um, the the Yinzers were uh, in pretty good form and, and quite welcoming, to be honest. I mean, I, I hate to say it whenever we go to Pittsburgh, um, but the actual fans in Pittsburgh uh, are far better than the fans that go to M&T for games. Um, they seem to have been brought up right. So we had a good day there. Um, Monday, we took the bus to Buffalo, um, went to see the... Uh, the Bills game against the Broncos Monday night. Um, we were joined, as you mentioned, by coach Jeff Reinbold from Sky Sports, who's, I think, on his way now, or he should have arrived back. He's meant to be rejoining Sky. I don't know if he was on this weekend, but he's uh, he's definitely back in time for Thanksgiving. So uh, that's good news. So he joined us, and he was just brilliant, Jeff. He just uh, he just loves talking ball with uh, everyone. So uh, he, he uh, did his show in the hotel before we left. He tailgated. He didn't play flip cup or, or cornhole, which is a bit disappointing, but none of us did really. So, um, and then uh, watched the game with him, and, and and off he went on Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesday, we went to Niagara Falls, and we went to see the Buffalo Sabers that night in the hockey arena that was attached to our hotel. Wednesday, we drove to Baltimore, stopped for lunch in Williamsport, which is the home of the Little League World Series, um, and then ended up going out for dinner for some crab cakes on Wednesday night in Fells Point. Thursday, um, we will come to that in a second. Uh, then Friday, we uh, went to DC to see the Wizards play. Friday night, uh, Saturday, which was two days ago, we went to see Maryland, Michigan, um, a college park. Again, a really close game. I had a chance to win it. The Terps um, didn't. Uh, the defense got good at the end on on Michigan side, but good day out. Uh, Saturday night, some of some of our guys went to see the Caps, the Washington Capitals play some hockey. Um, yesterday, we went to. Um, where were we again yesterday? Uh, Washington. So we went to see the Commanders and the Giants at the at old FedEx Field, and I mean old FedEx Field, even though it's only twenty years old. It feels like it was built in nineteen seventy-one. Uh, the worst sound system in the NFL, bar none. Uh, and apparently, all the hot water went as well. I heard after the game, and so they couldn't have any hot showers. And it doesn't surprise me. I'm surprised they've actually got running water. So uh, that's a bit of a step up and then um today we came on the flight to kansas city and we're off to see the chiefs eagles at arrowhead tonight we leave in about 20 minutes uh for tailgate <laughs> wow it's a it's a rough life isn't it 
Yeah, it, it feels it. I feel really tired. Don't feel sorry for me, everybody, but I, I really feel tired. But yeah, it's uh, to, to, it's, to, to it's be fun. Fair, you- you, you do sound you do sound tired, but so it, I'm sure all our listeners know. But if only that don't, Ben runs his own travel company, MVP Travel. He puts on these tours. I'm, I'm not; they're not always this big. This is a, a monster. You sort of do one of mm. these a year, don't you? So for mm. anyone that's listening to this, thinking, "Christ, that sounds good," like get yourself over to Ben's website. He puts these tours on one, once a year or so. Um, start saving your pennies and 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 yeah, get along to one one of these trips. So. Uh, you, you go, you're off to the Kelsey Bowl tonight, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Taylor's going to be there or not. Foz is going to be insanely jealous. But mm-hmm. just take take us back to, to Thursday night. You were you were in the stadium as as someone that's been to M and T Bank Stadium a lot of as many times as you have. Just tell us. I want to get into the tailgate and everything a bit later. Just tell us about that atmosphere because watching it on TV, that was loud. Yeah, uh, it was. I've spent quite a lot of time talking to people about it this week because. You know, as, as some listeners may know, I do. I, I try to do a UK Ravens tour every year. This year we didn't do it because of the game in London. But normally, I'm there with twenty, twenty five other Ravens fans um, who are a lot more excited. But this time, I'm the only Ravens fan at, at that game. There were twenty seven people, twenty seven of us, and I was the only Ravens fan. So wow. um, I was kind of trying to hype it up beforehand, thinking, I "Hope I'm not you know, being biased here." Um, but first thing I'll say is that. Everyone on tour has said that the best NFL stadium they went to was M&T Bank, and the atmosphere was the best they heard. It was like they, they, it, this, you know, the hairs in the back of the neck were up, and it does help when it's a night game. But I was also saying to people that it does feel like it's got back to the levels, around about the levels it was in the noughties when you know we had, and there was no reason for them to be allowed in the noughties really because we had a really bad offense. But we had Ray and, and Ed and that um, you know, that amazing defense, and we also had those old school fans that were just trained to be loud. They were still excited that the team back in Baltimore and they did things the right way. They were silent on offense and they were definitely loud on, on defense. And I thought we'd lost that quite a bit in the early part of the, or the sort of the mid 2010s. And we had that sort of decline with on offense with, uh, you know, with Flacco not playing so well, we had some rough years and, we also had you know, the, the stuff with London and the kneeling and a lot of the fan base kind of exiting stage left. Um, but I always feel, not to offend anyone, that we basically lost a lot of the idiots at that point anyway. Um, but they were loud, but they were loud idiots. So, uh, But we had kind of a void at that point uh, where there was, you know, there was new people coming to the stadium. There wasn't quite the interest there. It was a little quiet. And when I'd gone back in those years after I moved back from Baltimore, I just felt it's not going to be ever the same as it was again. I can categorically state it is now getting back to the same as it was. And I think Lamar's got a lot to do with that. I think that the um, new breed of fan that's now in M&T, they, you know, they're just excited to be there. They support the team. They support Lamar. Kind of a younger crowd, and they've kind of now learned, you know, the the right way to um, make a game day loud. So um, that was as loud as I've heard it probably on on Thursday night. Um, I think the Ravens themselves do an incredible job. They've invested, you know, over a million dollars in upgrades to the sound system and the visual system, and they just know how to hit the right spot with the crowd and get them amped. Uh, it was really loud in defense. Everyone was quiet on on, on offense, which was amazing. Um, the light show was spectacular. So, yeah, it was yeah, – I thought after the fact maybe I was overblowing it because I was emotional to be back home, um, as it were, but I wasn't. Everyone loved it. So it was uh, you know, an incredible night. I, I was going to ask you about that because I, I don't know if it was just me. I set my alarm quite late. So if they did show any of the player intros on the TV, I, I missed it all. Um, do you think that noise came from – 
was it always just going to happen that way or was it the as you say what the ravens did around the sort of the pre-games the the whole everyone dressed in black the whole darkness mm-hmm. thing i've seen little bits of the sort of the cgi ravens and, and that sort of thing could you feel it at the tailgate that it was going to be this atmosphere or did the do you think the ravens really built that um, I think the Ravens did a good job pre-game, and there's an email out the day of the game saying wear black, and the graphics before the game that they put out on socials and stuff, and the, the hype videos get people going. Uh, I think it was only when I hit the stadium that I really felt it. I think the tailgate the tailgate didn't feel that. If everyone was excited and up for the game, but it didn't feel you know like it was particularly different to some of the tailgates I've been to. Um, but yeah, once you got in, um, it felt like you were kind of at an event rather than just a game. And uh, yeah, the pre-game stuff was amazing. The light show was good. Um, the intros uh, were really good too. And then there were certain moments when you know, they just pick, you know, when we forced um, the, the Bengals to take a timeout because they couldn't yep. hear the snap count. Um, you know, right Tw- on the board. Twice, wasn't it? Twice yeah, early. It was, it was twice. Yeah. And within like, you know, a second and a half, it was like, you know, you did this, Ravens fans and all. And it's just like, you know, they're on top of everything. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think they've, they've got it down to a fine art. You know, we were lucky to go for a tour. Of M and T, which I always try and do. Every time we go there, I, I get Margaret to give it show us. Margaret doesn't even do tours anymore, but she <laughs> makes an exception for the UK Ravens, and she's amazing. She's funny and she's knowledgeable, and uh, I've done it you know loads of times. But um, she, she now takes us into the audio visual room, which is massive. It's bigger than most you know, a lot of the, a lot of the press rooms in. Um, uh, in they knocked a wall through, so it's it takes up about a corner of the, of the stadium, and, and there's you know about a hundred screens in there, and it's just amazing the effort. And time that goes into it, and coming back to the, uh, the the Washington team, I'm imagining there's probably a broom cupboard with a broken laptop in it, which is what they use. But it, it is impressive uh, the effort that goes in. <laughs> awesome. So to, before I let you get get out of here and go and watch Pat Mahomes and Travis and Jason and ev- everyone else play tonight, just um, tell us who who you tailgated with. Where were you tailgating? And you managed to get yourself on the on the jumbotron as well, didn't you, in the stadium? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, firstly, Ian, for sending me the flag. You, you sent me one of our. Uh, rescued flags from the London weekend. So proudly carried that. I did drape it around, tied it around my neck like a cape. Um, And uh, yeah, we were at tailgate. Um, The the main group tailgate that we had was with Brian's Be More Around Town, who always do a great job. They've moved back to the sort of uh, stadium side of Ostend Street. So it's a nice, easy walk. And uh, I definitely recommend it. They have, I had a go at the, um, the golf simulator. I did quite well, actually, if anyone was there. That was me that hit it to a foot. Um, and then uh, there was some um, axe throwing. So they have axe throwing um, in a safety net, I'm hasten to add. It's probably best to do that early in the tailgate rather than later. Um, but, um, yeah, some of our guys did ask, did, did do that, did quite well. Um, people on stilts, live band, uh, a, lot of, a lot of music, and the food was really good too. I kind of disappeared for, to see some old friends as well and just did kind of a bit of old-school tailgating as well. And, yeah, the it hasn't... Um, Lesson. It might have been because it was a night game, but uh, it was a great, uh, great evening. And so, yeah, we did get a picture um, with Josh, um, Josh Conlin, who I think is in the WhatsApp group. Uh, we sorted his trip as well, so thanks, Josh, for booking that one with us. And um, we uh, we had a picture. Um, I sent. I think I sent it on the WhatsApp, and then that was retweeted by you and the UK Ravens. And uh, then it suddenly got on the jumbotron, which I didn't see till later. Someone sent it to me, um, but um, yeah, it was nice to get you know the uh, the, the UK Ravens banner uh, big time on on the scoreboard there. Yeah, it was nice to see that. We we got sent that from a few people, and we had a few people tweet us, sort of saying, oh, "I've seen seen your flag," or "I've seen Ben." One one guy sent me a picture of you sat in the stand saying, "Oh, Ben's here tonight." 
it was just just really nice that that people are tweeting us to sort of let mm-hmm. us know they they've spotted our stuff. I did just want to ask you one one more actually before we go, just on on the injuries. So on on TV, it's easy for us. We see someone get injured and and go to the blue tent, and we sort of know straight away. In the stadium, what was the sort of so when when Andrews went down, was was it? pretty immediate that everyone knew it was bad from the reaction yeah. of the players. Then you had Lamar go into the blue tent and the Burrow thing as well. What what was that like being in the stadium? Um, yeah, Andrews was fairly instantly known that it was bad. I mean, because he went there. Firstly, everyone was applauding the catch because it was a great throw and catch and, and it was a, a big first down. I think it was the first. It must have been a first down. It was a long, long completion. Um, so I was still up cheering. But in my moment of cheering, it became obvious within three seconds because the Bengals player suddenly started motioning on the trainers, and I'm like, "This isn't good." As soon as and and then and then you know his teammate started kneeling uh, around Andrews within 20 seconds, so we all just sat down and went, "Oh my, you know, this is not good." And you know they showed, I think they showed, they showed the rebound score, but I didn't watch it first time because I didn't want to. I didn't want to see what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he then got up and basically walked off under his own steam was. Lazarus-like to me. I couldn't believe it. And at that point, I think everyone thought, well, maybe there's a miracle and it's not so bad. Um, but I think we all knew it probably was. Uh, the the Burrow thing was just weird because one drive is in and then next, they just announced casually over the tannoy, it's not Joe Burrow anymore. <laughs> Actually, the people <laughs> behind me for the entire drive were like saying, yeah, shut down Burrow. I'm like, that's not Burrow. Look at the number. It's not Burrow. Um so we just didn't know what happened there because he looked really good. He come on and start the game, and there's a couple of times I cursed him, not in a bad way, but just uh, damn you, Joe Burrow, for threading that needle because he, he made a couple of really nice throws. And we were sitting in five fifteen up, so it was upper end zone, but a low row, so we had a great view of everything developing. And we were actually at the we were in the end zone. The five fifteen is down by the tunnel, so uh, we we're in the end zone uh, closer to where Andrews went down. So we saw both those, but yeah, the Burrow thing was just weird, and, and we didn't know what had happened. Obviously, we were pleased. <laughs> No offense to Joe Burrow, but um, <laughs> we were playing the backup, and um, yeah, but that was that, that was strange. And then and people do pick up on things and start spreading around what what might have happened and things like that. But didn't find out till after the game that there'd been a wrist issue, and uh, apparently that was maybe evident before the game as well. But then if you had a damaged wrist, I'm not sure why they started him, so I'm not sure the legitimacy of that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because we at home, we often think that, you know, it's better to be in the stadium watching these things. But at home, we do get that information straight away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we knew straight away that he was he was probably probably done for the night. But I know you've got to get out of here. You're, you're, you're racing off to a game. But I just wanted to say thank, thanks for joining us. Thanks for jumping on and, and, and telling us all. It was really important to me that we had your contribution this week as you were you were there in the stadium. Um, I'm, I'm going to get yours before we go, and you'll get you get first dibs on this. So give me your rave, raven of the week before you go, Ben. Oh no, I, I'm prepared for this. Um, I don't know. Let me just think about this a second. So was, let's go with Dafeo Way. That's a great shout. Okay, love, so I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with Oway. He, he was just a, a, a constant menace and beast, and his um, performance levels have just you know hit a, a peak level at the moment. Where he's you're talking about the 2000 defense. He's kind of a um, a reminiscent uh, piece related to that. So I'll go away on the Raven of the Week. Do you want a prediction as well for this week? Go for it while you're here. Um, who are we playing again? Chargers. Oh, yeah, the Chargers. I'm going to kill them. No, we're not going to kill them because we, we, it's, it's our turn to lay an egg, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're a franchising crisis. We've got a head coach um, sort of, you know, going week to week before he gets fired at the moment, and they can't catch a thing. So inevitably this week they'll they'll show up and they'll make loads of catches 
Um, I think we might just squeak it out, though, but it might not be as big a blowout as people hope for. So um, I'll, I'll say we'll, we'll pull it out with a fairly late field goal. It'll be a nail-biter, which will be annoying. But I'll say 27-24 Ravens. 27-24 Ravens. Excellent. Well, enjoy and, the game tonight. Oh, go yeah. for your player prop. Go for it. A player prop. Um, yeah, let's just... Oh, I can't go with something really obvious like Keaton Mitchell touchdown. Um uh, I'll just say that um, let's go Nelson Aguilar Nelson Aguilar will have a touchdown it's not very um, great but I'll go with that <laughs> go with that okay. awesome well, enjoy the game tonight thanks for joining us and, and safe trip home we'll, we'll catch up with you when you're back thanks Ian awesome thanks Ben okay cheers and that what you just listened to there ladies and gentlemen was the interview with Ian and Ben okay let's go on and pick our Raven of the week um, Ben has already picked his as Adafe away is that mentioned in the interview or is that new news to the listener no no that's that's it as long as you don't chop it out that's in there <laughs> right that's new, that's, new, that's new I don't chop anything out Ian this is a this is a raw podcast <laughs> we, we, we put this we put the raw the raw audio feed up no adjustments made we, we take we're very well we never take out any mistakes because no mistakes are made during the recording process we can almost live stream it it's that um it's that streamlined so anyway as i was saying ben's uh, raven of the week was adafe oa james who have you got for your raven of the week this week there's not a great deal of meat on the bone this week so i'm going to be nice and leave uh, the meat on the bone for you guys so my raven of the week is jermaine pratt for that brilliant uh, tip to Nelson Aguilar <laughs> for the touchdown genius uh, that, again, um, Ian, nearly 90 episodes. We've never had a Raven of the week that wasn't a Ravens player. And now now two weeks on the bounce, someone's nominated a non-Ravens player for Raven of the week. This is yeah, all getting a little I, bit silly as we, as we approach the, the, the big numbers. I, I think we're going to have to make some rules here, aren't we? Pro, pro share I could just about let go because he has been a Raven. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure about Pratt. <laughs> uh, Ian, who have you? Well, well, we'll put it out. This, this, uh, this is selected. As I say, we we can't edit this out now. We've 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 just been telling the listener how much of a streamlined um, recording this is. So that one will have to stay in. Ian, who do you have as your Raven of the week? God, Gaz, I hope you pick someone good because I'm going to get shouted out on Twitter for these these suggestions because I'm <laughs> I'm not taking an obvious one either. I I really 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 want to take Marcus Williams, who I think had a had a good game here. Um, I I think he's he's getting back. still a lot of people getting on him about. I've I've been very vocal about him not wanting to tackle. I saw more from Marcus this this week, and he was very very good against the pass. But I'm not going to pick him. I'm I'm going to take Brandon Stevens, who yes the Joe Burrow went out, but, but Brandon Stevens going up against uh, Jamar Chase, he was he was playing an awful lot of one on one against Chase, and he wasn't giving him any cushion. Uh, he he really really held his own. I think that's he gave up the touchdown at the end, which was a sort of one yard thing that was almost un, undefendable. That's over four hundred and twenty coverage snaps he's played without giving giving up a touchdown. So I've I've got to pick Stevens at some point, and I'm, I'm going to take him this week. Um. I'll just I'll just I'll just take the the flashy one and I'll take um Odell Beckham Jr. who as we've talked about in this podcast is starting to round into something really special and with Andrews going out it's sort of almost um foreseeing a, a Raven of the Week for future weeks as well because we I feel like we're gonna to start to see a lot more from Odell Beckham 
Junior, right, okay, we'll touch on a couple of news bits before we get into Shane's History Corner, who's going to, Shane's once again going to submit his History Corner for your listening pleasure. Um, we've talked about the Mark Andrews season, which could or could not be over, but this is the Ravens, so let's not even speculate on that. Uh, we've talked about the Ravens taking the number one seed in the AFC and how it's a bit of a lie because we haven't had our bye week. So uh, let's instead, rather talk about the Ravens on the UK Ravens podcast, the only official Ravens podcast from the UK, talk about the rest of the AFC North. <laughs> James, the I guess we've already talked about this, really. The, the other AFC quarterbacks are dead. Um, AFC North, sorry, quarterbacks are are all sort of dead. Any further hot takes on this topic? Not really. I mean, we can talk about... Perfect. <laughs> cool. Ian, Steelers, uh, Steelers, sack, Steelers sack Canada. They decide to blame Canada. And we should, we should do this as quickfire news, because as you might be able to tell, I want to get through this. Um, any hot takes on the Steelers sacking Canada? Sack Pickett as well, but I think James wants to jump in here. I'm not, I'm not sure Canada's <laughs> the only problem. Yeah, I would jump in on this one just that Mad Canada is a massive problem for the Steelers. Uh, so it will be, it will now be interesting to see. Uh, the, the reason I think they have done this is, yeah, obviously, we, I think it's so. So Kenny Pickett made that ridiculous. So I, if anybody caught the reference earlier in the show where he, he basically threw it to the 30 yard line, there was nobody within 50 yards of the 30 yard line. Uh, but it landed perfectly on the 30-yard line. Uh, he just doesn't look good. But the one thing that you could say is Matt Canada is a really bad offensive coordinator. Um, like if the Raven, if Ravens fans think they were, they had it bad with Greg Roman, uh, Matt Canada is different level. Um, so I think the reason they've done this is because they need to find out if Kenny Pickett is the real deal or not. I don't think he is. I never really thought he is. But at least now he'll have a chance out of Canada's influence to kind of show whether he is or not. Uh, it's a des- bit of a desperation move from them. I think as much as their record is pretty good and they've got a decent run in um, in terms of schedule wise, they-, they needed to make a change on offense to, to make this more, just to make this better. Like uh, it-, it just, there's so many weird decisions they make on off. Like, why on earth? Jalen Warren isn't getting more touches on offense for them is is just beyond me. So I think it's a it's a it was a strange one to have kept him this long. They had to make this move um, if they're going to see anything from this season. Um, and it'll be interesting now to watch them down the stretch and see if any of those any of that off if if someone else can get more out of that offense. So a team with a good defense, um, a quarterback who no one can really tell whether he's good or not. Um, a winning record fires their offensive coordinator mid-season. I feel like I've heard this script somewhere before, so let's have to keep an eye on what's going on with those Steelers. Speaking of that quarterback who no one could tell whether they were good or not, um, Ian, we talked about um, during the, um, well, just before the recap and how the playoff picture is shaping out. I said I don't want to see the Ravens in the two seed welcoming the Cleveland Browns to town in the wild card round. And another reason for that is above their excellent defense and the divisional matchup messiness. Nobody wants to see January Joe in the wild card round, do they? No one. No one wants to see January Joe, least of all me. Uh, terrified me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Joe's off to, to Cleveland. Um, I think he's signed, signed to the practice squad, hasn't he? Uh, they've, they've already come out and said that, that their, their rookie is going to start. I've just looked up. They're, they're, playing, they're playing the Broncos this week, the Browns. 
Um, so that that seems like a game you'd get Flacco in. So he plays plays well in mile high, doesn't he? So you you get him in there <laughs> for that one. Um, and uh, it's a tough one, this because I I love Joe Flacco. Ian, it's not a tough one. I hate that. This is awful. Why is he doing it? Is is but, is he already is he already in? Like it's going to go. It's probably going to go in the Ring of Honor. Really? I, I, Super Bowl I've MVP. Seen, I, I've seen like people say it. that he. It, I've seen people say that he shouldn't be allowed in after this. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. This guy's won a won a Super Bowl for your franchise. Like, if it, honestly, if you think that, you get out right now. Like, it's difficult because it, it's the Browns. I, Flack, Flacco's got five kids. I, he doesn't want to be at home. Let's be honest. He doesn't need the money. Like, <laughs> He's 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 just one of those guys I think that that just it genuinely loves football and he and he wants to play football and he wants to play as long as he can. Um, I'm I'm not sure what what he's still got left to offer in in terms of uh, of quarterbacking, but the Browns just need someone competent that's not going to turn the ball over. Take care of the ball and and they'll be fine. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how how long it lasts before before he does get a go. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Joe Flacco really likes football and I think he's looking at the back end of the season thinking oh, I could support my family on this football that I'm going to be playing for the um for the next few weeks and that's that's definitely the driving factor his his love of football air quotes for the listener in case you didn't get the what uh, the boy the boy cynical is he's doing it cynical, for money guys. he's doing it for money he's the wheels are falling off and if I were bad at if I were like when I'm like retired and I'm terrible at my job and I can't really be bothered to go to my job, if someone rings me up and says, "Oh, do you want to come to your your old job for ten weeks and we'll give you what will they probably get two three mil for two three mil for just just turning up for ten weeks and doing nothing?" I mean, ideally, the more I think about it, maybe this is like a whole big inside job from the Ravens, and we're going to see the Browns in the wildcard game, and Flacco's just going to just keep giving the ball straight to Patrick Queen. Like, there you go, mate. Off, up, whoops, silly me. Brandon Stevens, you want one? Oh, there you go. Geno Smith, you have one. That's what the two lad, and he'll go down in Ravens folklore. And if he just dishes the ball to Ravens players all day, no one's biting. No one's biting on my excellent idea. Of <laughs> what Joe Flacco is going to only do. Only that you, you're going to need to. I mean, if you continue to lead the lead in interceptions, you're going to have to get Geno Stone's name right more consistently. Go. <laughs> oh, I'm doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am the worst host of this podcast ever. I started talking about the practice squad. I can't even get the fucking <laughs> names right. Anyway, let's pivot off that and go into the history corner with Shane, who does know what he's doing on a microphone. A Richmond history. Hi, UK Ravens. I'm back again. Uh, I really thought I was going to be on this week's podcast, uh, and then I forgot that I was going to a gig on the night when uh, it was recorded. So here I am in History Corner sending you a dispatch. So uh, this week it's the Chargers, and I thought we'd start with a basic question. What's a Charger, anyway? Before we start with that, let's look at how NFL team names kind of break down, right? The the most common uh, type of team name is Birds. So as Ravens fans, we are very aware that there are the Ravens, the Falcons, Eagles, Seahawks, and Cardinals, five teams named after birds. Uh, and that's a tie with five teams that draw their name from the Old West. Uh, so the Bills, named after Wild Bill Hickok, uh, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the 49ers. I think we can throw in the 49ers. They're named after the 49, uh, the 1849 Gold Rush, so we can count them as part of the Old West. Uh, Big Cats, Panthers, Bengals, Lions, Jags takes care of another four. Uh, horses, Broncos, and Colts. Uh, other animals we've 
got bears, rams, dolphins, general marauding types. Uh, there's a bunch of those, Vikings, raiders, buccaneers, all just generally arriving and causing chaos. We've sort of got myths and religion I've put under one category, uh, giants, titans, um, mythical creatures, and then saints. Uh, specific people, you could have the bills under specific people again, because they are named after a person. Uh, and then the browns, as we've mentioned before, named after Paul Brown. We've got working people, packers, stealers. You could again, you could sort of put the 49ers in there if you really wanted to. And then there's sort of others that I couldn't think of a category for. Commanders, patriots, uh, and the jets, named after jet planes literally so anyway the chargers what is going on with the chargers i thought they were named after horses until i started looking into this for this week's podcast so i I had them under the category with the broncos and the Colts. but it turns out that's not the case at all there's a conspiracy theory that uh, they're named after or named because of a credit card so baron hilton is the guy who was awarded the franchise in uh, 1959 as part of the old american football league Uh, baron hilton is paris hilton's grandfather and he's part of the hilton hotel chain family and he had launched a credit card in 1958 called the carte blanche and so there is this theory that in order to promote his credit card he was going to name his team the chargers which doesn't seem very plausible does it it doesn't seem like it's really the best kind of advertising. Uh, The LA Times looked into this and they asked him and he said it was nonsense, but everybody seems to think that's the case. Uh, In fact, somebody suggested it as part of a competition. He liked the sound of it because it brought to mind the idea of a bugle charge. So they're named after a noise, like the bugle noise that leads people charging into battle. So that is uh, apparently what the charges are named after. So that's it for another History Corner and hopefully I'll be back on the podcast with you next week. And another enjoyable visit to Shane's History Corner. Okay, guys, let's start talking about the upcoming game there. It is the LA Chargers away in LA on Sunday Night Football. Ian, another late night for you on X, I assume. Shane, is it going to step in and take one of these late games off you? He's not. I think there's one late in the season... Uh, I think maybe the the Christmas the yeah because he's because he's Day? in the, in America but he's he's in America so <laughs> he, he can do it other other than that I get with the late games yeah yeah okay so how are the Chargers doing they've just coming off a loss to the powerhouse that is the Green Bay Packers um, James what's what's you've, we've, we've talked about Brandon Staley already in his decision making um, sort of like touch on Brandon Staley but just the the Chargers season as a whole give our, our listeners a bit of a a bit of a catch-up to, to where the LA Chargers are at the moment. Well, it's, a, it's another brutal Chargers season that's full of promise and has ended up with nothing. It, it, it's staggering to me that a defensive mind like Brandon Staley, who um, was so impressive as defensive coordinator with the Rams, has continued to put out these type of defenses. It, it just feels like there's something in the Chargers' DNA that just causes this to happen. I, I, I can't can't understand how it's this bad, but it is. It's bad. Um, they do not have a good defense. They are continuing to waste prime Justin Herbert years. Um, Justin Herbert, who is still playing at a very high level, um, is still taking a lot of stick from necessarily from a lot of quarters. But for me, he's a he's he's you know he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But he's not being ably supported by by his cast. And obviously, this last week. We had the um, if if anyone listened to the to the podcast to the draft, 
Uh, you'll have heard me talk about there was there was a chance that the Ravens were going to draft Quentin Johnston, and you'll have heard me talk a couple of times about how that would have been a a bad decision for the Ravens, particularly because of his hands, um, which I was quite impolite about at the time. Uh, I won't repeat <laughs> what I said about three or four. About I think you were about three or four podcasts, uh, James. I'm not sure you could say it at the time. It was your sort of like go to joke for the summer period. It was. But, it was. Anyway, it was. But it was. <laughs> it, it was. I don't need to make it anymore. All I need to do is present uh, the oh, just horrendous drop that he had uh, this week as as evidence. Um, the kid, if he works out his drop issues, could be an absolute world be a very special, um, but it, he certainly hasn't. And so the only things working on the Charger offense really are Justin Herbert, um, Rashawn Slater, and um, and Keenan Allen. Uh, even Austin Eckler looks to have lost a step and isn't the same back that he was. So uh, Herbert is doing a lot of it on his own, and the defense is just not helping at all. And, and to lose to what is a pretty putrid Green Bay team, this year is um, is a very charger type thing. It would also be a very charger type thing to to bounce back and have a have an offensive explosion against a very good defense with the Ravens. So uh, it's a really weird game coming coming into this because of the how unpredictable they are. However, they have been more consistently bad than good this year. So you you should really expect to see a charger team that just kind of cannot live with with this Ravens team. Uh, this week, but there's inter- there are interesting matchups across the board in this game. James, before we go into the the matchup, Justin Herbert, you, you've mentioned him quite a bit in your sort of recap of the season. Uh, Herbert came into the league as like the next great thing, and sort of became a bit of a media darling early. Um, what what's going on with Herbert? <laughs> We've got the, the the show sheet that is great, but he's getting no help. Well, he's got Keenan Allen. He's got a good defense. What is Herbert not getting that Lamar Jackson is getting? I, I don't know why is why 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 are the Chargers not more involved in January? He, is what I'm saying with with Herbert at the helm. So he does he doesn't have a good defense. Um, like that. That's that's the main crux. So it's it's had it's had a good defense. It's had a good defense. He's had an okay defense. I wouldn't necessarily call it the first defense to stop Lamar Jackson. I'll have you know. I was even on the team. He wasn't on the team. I think it was a Philip Rivers team. Yeah, he's he's not had a particularly great defense in in his time. He's having to win shootouts when he wins games. The, the, their rebuilt offensive line that they put around him is in tatters right now. There's no, none of them are left. It's just Rashawn Slater holding down the four um, on the left side. He does have some weapons, but then again, this season, Mike Williams is injured. So you're running out Quentin Johnston next to Keenan Allen. So Keenan Allen's having to do it all. Um, Keenan Allen is getting on a bit. He's still performing at a very high level. So you can't really use that as a, as a, like a, yeah, it's something that's, that's that's causing some issues. But I think it's just that they have not put it together for him on, on in different parts of the team. It's they haven't been able to put together a, a you know a consistent offense, and the defense has really struggled. It's it's remarkable, like I said, given given how highly I regard Brandon Staley as a, as a defensive coach, um, and you know you, you could look at him in the same way. Yeah, he did with LA. I mean, he had a lot of talent, I suppose, with that in that Rams defense. But he did with LA what Mike McDonald's really done with this defense um, in terms of 
sort of building a, a defense around the talent he had at his disposal. And when he came into LA, he was very much a dogmatic coach. Like he, he came from the Vic Fangio tree. He ha- that is a very specific defense that is run and he adjusted it when he got into LA. So you really felt prom- it really felt promising him going into, into, ch- into the, into the charges gig, but it's just been, it's just been, it's just, it's, it is not good. He, he is surrounded by an organ. In the same way that they wasted Philip Rivers' career, they are wasting Justin Herbert's career. Uh, and I, I don't know how on earth they, they put it together. Okay, Ian, so let's move on into this game now. We'll go back to James to talk about some of the matchups across the line. But the, I guess the one thing we've got to talk about is Joey Bosa, who has been the, the face of that defense, which I seem to think is good and everyone else thinks is bad. Um, but I don't care about the LA Chargers, so that may be why. Um, Joey Bosa being out, is we don't think it's a long-term injury, but um, as far as this matchup goes and the, for our Ravens, we sort of we were okay with Joey Bosa not been there this 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 Monday night, Monday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Yeah, we're we're fine with this. He's the sort of heart heart and soul, isn't he? Of that that defense. Uh, this is Gaz. This is an absolutely brutal defense. Let's let's be honest. They're they're <laughs> absolutely dead last in the league in in pass yards allowed. They are brutal. Um, Joey Bosa doesn't lead the team in sacks, actually. Khalil, Khalil Mack does. But I think he might have had five in a game. I think they had a really odd game where he, he sort of got five, five sacks in a game. Um, I mean, this, this, this should be a matchup where the Ravens are able to march up and down the field on, on this team. The, the Ravens run the ball well. We know they're going to run the ball well. And the pass defense of the Chargers, as I say, absolute last in the league in, in yards allowed. And, and they they allow an average play of seven and a half yards, which which is huge. Like Lamar's depth of target is already big anyway, and and they allow the most. So this is an absolutely brutal defense. And then you take away their their best player. So James, what what matchups what matchups have we got to to look forward to in this one? <laughs> uh, so it, it's an interesting one. They they still have some talent, so you do want to kind of. I, I'm going to be really intrigued to see Brandon Stevens. I, I love that Ian picked him as, as Raven of the Week because I, I, um, if I wasn't being a, a silly little boy, uh, I would have picked Brandon Stevens as well because he's, uh, he's he's playing so well. And that was a really, really amazing outing against Jamar Chase. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see him go up against um, Keenan Allen, which is what he will probably do most of the most of the game. It's a very different challenge against Keenan Allen. Jamar Chase is a physical guy. Um, and you've got, you know, you get beat up at the line of scrimmage. Keenan Allen is also, you know, athletically gifted, but he's not as fast. He's not, uh, he, he does it with route running. So it'll be really interesting. And, you know, separation quickness is all about his technique. And so uh, it'll be really interesting to see how Brandon Stevens holds up against, against that type of receiver. Um, so that's a really nice matchup to watch. I also will be fascinated to see Adafi Owe go against Rashawn Slater, who is still one of the best left tackles in the league. Uh, so that'll be a really nice matchup to watch. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, it probably is worth watching um, Kilo Mack, who is probably, uh, while Bosa is their best pass rusher, I think Mack has been their best all-around defensive end this year, their best all-around sort of defensive lineman. Um, so watching him uh, go up against Ronnie Stamp, Ronnie Stanley if he's back, but we're not entirely certain of that. So maybe it won't be Stanley, it'll be somebody else, um, possibly Makari. Uh, so that'll be a, a good, not necessarily a good on good matchup, but something to kind of 
to kind of watch in terms of to see how the game goes. Um, and finally, Zay Flowers going up against the Santi Samuel, um, who is still a good corner, um, despite his existence in a, in a very, very bad pass defense, as Ian has mentioned. Okay, so a, a team that's struggling, a head coach that's on the brink of getting fired, a a bad pass defense, um, missing the, the face of their defense, nothing really going on offense, the worst offensive line in the league against going against one of the best Ravens um, pass rushers. Ian, absolutely no chance the Ravens cock this one up, is there? I I don't think there is. Like, I, <laughs> I I know there's not there's not there's not. I mean the the only uh, way I, I'm I'm just looking at the Chargers stats now and I've I've gone quiet because I, like some of these James talking about Keenan Allen there like, it it probably won't shock you to know that Keenan Allen leads the Chargers in receptions targets and yards. So 83 receptions he's got this year. Nobody else on the Chargers has got more than 25 receptions. That's how dominant Keenan Allen is. So well, that's because that's Mike, McDo- Quentin Johnston, Mike McDonald just get everyone around. That's because Quentin Johnson has feet for hands, Ian. That's and it's really it's, difficult in that situation, isn't it? To catch the ball. Madness. Keenan Allen, 83 receptions for over a thousand yards. Nobody else has got anywhere close. It's it's madness. No, the the Ravens can't mess this one up, guys. They win this game, they win 34-17. 34-17. Again, you're back in the Ravens team that lost to the Steelers, whose uh, team was basically chanting to fire the offensive coordinator throughout the game. Uh, they lost to the Browns, who... Oh, okay, fair enough. The Colts. Who, we forgot about the Colts game. They, they the three losses, that's it. A- AFC num- number one seed, Gaz. Number one seed. <laughs> AFC. So what we got? 34-17, was that... 34-17, and my player, player prop, prop, Charlie Kolar will have more receiving yards than Isaiah Likely, who's the fantasy darling that everyone's picking up. Okay, James, who have we got? So I'm going to go um, 27-24 to the Ravens. Um, as much as we've talked down the charges, I do think this is going to end up being a nasty one for the Ravens. Um, the charges have run a lot of teams close this year, so it's not... They've never particularly been really badly beaten, despite them being terrible. Um, I am a little bit concerned about this game. My only, the only thing that I would say that sort of makes me feel a little bit better about the game and why I've ultimately gone for a Ravens win is the, the last time these two teams met, the Ravens absolutely had the Chargers number. This was a blowout in 2021 when the Ravens sort of struggled a little bit. Um, in other games that season, and won 34 6, I think, or something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah, so somewhere, somewhere around there. So it's, it, I, I do think they'll probably get out with the victory. So uh, that's good. I think the uh, my player prop will be um, Odo Beckham to go over 100 yards uh, for the second game running. Okay, Ian, I'm not sure if you, you've noticed this, but there's, there's a bit of a pattern forming with the Ravens uh, games this year. So it goes something like this. Um, <laughs> massive win, loss, Closish win. Don't, massive don't do this to win. me again. <laughs> Closish win. Um, shout out to Fosworth with his excellent analysis there. Um, Lamar Jackson in prime time in LA versus a struggling Chargers team whose coach is about to get fired. I think we're gonna have. I think it's gonna be absolute waxing. I'm gonna go 31-13. Um, Staley loses his job by 
well, within 12 hours of the game finishing, and I will, which is not actually my player prop, but my player prop will be that Zay eventually gets his 40-plus yard touchdown, whether that comes on a screen or a deep ball. Um, Zay is going to house a big one. I've, I've got the purple tinted glasses on. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I can't see any reason why the Ravens don't absolutely go to LA and wax this Chargers team. And I, I, I just went back on this podcast talking about another game um, like the Colts game. The, the, only, there, the only thing we should is, say... Is, right? is, there, is there a way it turns out like that? It, there definitely is. And I feel like the purple tinted glasses, you, you you went through the... Your play, your score predictions, at the, your result predictions at the start of the year were obviously like ridiculed by most of us <laughs> about the win, win, win. And you like, if the Ravens had actually been competent in the three of their games that you would have been bang <laughs> on. So we probably should oh, yeah. listen to you a bit more. Well, that's the first, the first time anyone's ever said that on this podcast. So with that, <laughs> let's get out of here. Um, there's loads of events going on, but nothing's important as what James has just said to me. So we'll be back next week where we'll be reviewing the win versus the Chargers and looking forward to a bye week rest. If you'd like to be involved with this podcast, with me, who more people should be listening to, please email us at hello at ukravens.org. And until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. James, when I gave you the thumbs up um, for, for picking up after him when I was staring over here, I, mean, I shouldn't admit to this, but during the podcast, I was actually like making a jingle, <laughs> which I'm planning on using later on. So my headphones are like coming up. I'm getting logic, so I'm like... I do one here, so I needed you to come in and, and step up there. <laughs>